Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Some People Call That Jesus. Looking at a very important topic today that's been very impactful upon me and very enlightening, and it's a very common verse. The uh, the core verse we'll look at here, and there'll be several passages that we look over throughout this episode, but this core verse here is used, and I'll, I'll share a little bit about how it's used incorrectly or out in the world, um, taking away the parts of God from it, and then how it's actually used in Scripture and breaking it down to understand it so that we can partake in it. And this is something, again, I've just been learning myself and beginning to walk in, so I hope it's helpful for you as well. And really what it is, is how I describe it and how it's laid out here is, it's a promise from God, according to his word, of course, but it's a promise for an unstoppable Christian life. And that's not just some dramatic way to put it or trying to sound motivational or uplifting. It really is when you look at this, and you'll see as we dive into the different parts of it and break it down, it really is God's promise for an unstoppable Christian life. And we'll see what we mean by unstoppable and define that a little bit. So the core verse we'll be looking at that you want to stay in for this whole episode as we go back and forth between passages is Romans 8, 28. And I'll start by reading it first, and then we'll begin to break it down some as well and add to it piece by piece. So Romans 8, 20, 28, very famous verse, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now that first part of it is the famous part, the most part famous part of it. We know that all things work together for good. Now here's where it's misconstrued. You may have heard this before. Maybe you've used it yourself in this way, but I've heard it kind of in the world I don't know if the people were Christians or non-Christians in the moment, but you just hear that in the workplace, in personal settings, whatever, that, oh, all things work out for good. All things work out for a benefit. Everything has a purpose. People use this in a type of way, but without understanding. It's really just to be positive, trying to be uplifting, trying to encourage someone that's going through a hard time. But we need to look at what does it really say here? What are the requirements of the characteristics that need to be a part of our life in order to have all things working out for our good. Because to me, that's the beginning of the definition of an unstoppable Christian life, is having everything, no matter good or bad, happen to you, in the end, work out for your good. That's to me, is truly being unstoppable. And here's the main pieces of it. It says, all things work for the good of those, and now it's going to describe some characteristics. You can't just cut out that piece and give it to someone because it's not practical advice. They may go through many situations where it does not work out for their good. Although you say to them, oh, it'll all work out in the end, many times it doesn't. It may have worked out for you in recent memory, out for your good, um, just by happenstance, whatever you may call it. But many times people hear that, and then their situation ends tragically. And they lose faith, and they lose confidence, and they lose hope because they were not given any practical knowledge from the Word to begin with. But we're going to leave with that today, or at least that's the goal and hope of it. So all things work for the good of those who, number one, love God. Very simple and straightforward, but we need some more understanding here about what it means to love God. We see often in the Bible, and really the whole purpose of the Bible, to see God's love for us, God's love for humanity. But what does it mean to love God in return, or really to love him back? Because that's the first requirement here in a way. I'm using this term requirements or conditions to be fulfilled to tap into this promise of unstoppable Christian life. So love God, and first and foremost, it's, it's more than a feeling. Obviously, we know love impacts our hearts, our emotions. It's a feeling. It's a sense. We use the word love in many types of ways, and this is just my opinion, but to me, when I think about it, I'm like, honestly, it's pretty easy to love Jesus, the person of Jesus, and I've seen examples in even, you know, social media, reality television, things like that where people are non-Christians, but they love the person of Jesus. 
okay, you know, they're missing a lot of information and knowledge and understanding from the Bible on who he really was and his purpose and what he's doing for us now. But just Jesus, if you look at him as a person on earth, as a good person, a good guy, he's, he's helping the sick and the needy. He's healing the sick, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, casting out evil spirits, not passing judgment, all these things that if, if any, any of those things happen to you or to your loved ones, you'd be very grateful for the person who did that. So me, on just a normal opinion, looking at him as a person, it's very easy to love Jesus. To have a, a feeling or emotion or a sense of love towards him, seeing what he did for humanity, of course it's easy to love Jesus in that respect. But started looking a little deeper. Okay, what is it, according to God, not my definition or not my feeling, although feelings are a part of it, what does it mean to love God or to love Jesus? And we can just take him at his own words. He's sitting with his disciples in John chapter 14, teaching his disciples towards the end of his ministry. And John 14, 15, short, sweet, famous verse as well. He told his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. And again, it always impacts our heart. We want to do it from the heart. We want it to be genuine. It's not obligation or it's not legalism, meaning you're following a list of rules and do's and don'ts, thinking that that grants you some kind of holiness or peace. But he says, from a genuine heart, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll follow my words and my instructions. And really, Jesus is saying in his own words, why he sat with his disciples as a person, if you want to show my love back to me, the love I poured into you, keep my commandments. But if you continue in disobedience, do you really love me? So what does it mean to love God? More than a feeling, it's about keeping his commandments. And you go over to John 15, probably just one page over in your Bible, John 15, 10. Jesus is talking to his disciples still, and he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus is saying, look at the relationship of me and God the Father. I follow his commandments 100%, and that's me abiding in his love. You follow the exact same dynamic. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I'm doing with the Father. So Jesus didn't only instruct them in this. He set the example in his relationship, relaying everything to the Father, 100% obedience, dependency upon him. Jesus says, have that same with me, and you'll abide in my love, just as I abide in the Father and his love. So he sets the example for us and instructs us in it. So very simply, the first requirement of this promise of the unstoppable Christian life is one to love God. We do that by obeying his commandments and abiding in the love of Jesus consistently. So now we continue building upon that. After he says, love God, what else does it say in Romans 8.28? It says, work together for the good of those who love God, the next part, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now a few pieces to break down with this. Called according to his purpose. So at first I want to look at the purpose part. What is his purpose for us, for the Christian church? What is God's purpose for us? Because we need to know what the purpose is. If we're not walking according to that purpose, then we're not fulfilling this requirement here to tap into this promise. So there's two main purposes I want to look at. Again, this is out of Romans 8.28 as our core verse here for this episode. First is the overall, the Christian purpose or the purpose of the church. And Jesus gave this very classically in Matthew 28, right before he ascends back to heaven, after he's resurrected from the grave, he's about to send to heaven send off the disciples to take this gospel and good news to the world. He tells the disciples this. He says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's what we call the Great Commission. This is the purpose for the Christian life, the overall purpose, the umbrella that everything falls under. And the purpose of the church is to take the good news of Jesus to the whole world, that they may receive him, be baptized and born again, and then there it is echoed in the love your God, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. We teach them about abiding in the love of God by keeping his commandments after they've accepted Jesus and started this new life. So the first purpose, the purpose of the church, is to fulfill the Great Commission, take the gospel to the world so other people can start their new life in Christ and follow him and obey his commandments. And I want to break it down even further because that's the umbrella that all Christians fall under. But then there's also individual purposes. We're not all walking in the same areas of life. We're not all in the same careers and paths and countries and neighborhoods. God has his people throughout all areas of life to reach those because there's some people in healthcare where I've been working that I can reach that other people can't. There's people in the realm of education or politics or government and things like that that I can't reach because I don't work there, I don't have contacts there, etc. But God has sent his servants into those areas. So it's very important to understand what your individual purpose is because your life might look a little different than others, not in terms of living according to Jesus' commandments, but in the area of life that God has sent you to, to be a spreader of the gospel for his purposes. One verse we'll look at is Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16. So again, that is Psalm 139. And just as a reminder, you can go to Some People Call That Jesus on Instagram if you want to follow it for updates on there. Feel free to reach out to and ask me. I will send you any and all the verses that I use for your own study. So please reach out if you would like that. So Psalm 119, and it's verse... 15 and 16 here. Again, we're looking at what is your individual purpose? Under the purpose of the church, what is it for the individual? And he says here in Psalm, one, sorry, not 119, Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16. He said, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them great psalm. You can continue to read the entire psalm for the full context, but it's David saying, God, you knew the plan for my life, the steps I would take, the story you wanted me to fulfill even before I was born. Because there's an individual purpose and path for you, a story for you that God has written. We call it a destiny for you to follow. When you're following God, you'll live out the story that he wrote for your life, and he knew the steps you would take even before you were born, the steps that you would take if you were to follow him, and he'll lead you in that. So that's a part of your individual purpose. You need to know what is your specific calling. It's often called in the church. What is your calling? And it starts with being close to God, intimate in relationship with him, and seeing the path he leads you along, which yours will look different than others. But as long as you're following Jesus, you're fulfilling that purpose. Another verse to add to that is Isaiah 43, verse 1. As I pull it up here, Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. I love that verse because he says, I've called you by name, and he's talking to the nation of Israel there, but also to each individual believer as well. God knows you by name. He knows your particular story and the path and the career and the whatever purpose he wants you to fulfill for the kingdom of God. He has it in mind, but it'll only be revealed to you if you stay close with him. And then even at the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 2, Verse 17, a letter to one of the churches. Revelation 2, 17. 
And he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Now that's kind of a mysterious verse, takes some understanding to dive into that. But what I'm using part of it for is that stone that will be given. It says with a new name written on it that no one knows except you. God has an individual purpose for you. In heaven, he'll give you a new name. He knows you individually and the story for you individually for you to fulfill. That's a part of the overall Christian purpose of taking the gospel to the world. So certainly, by no means, don't rule yourself out. Find your individual purpose. Even if you're decades into your life and decades into the Christian journey, you still have time to figure out your individual purpose in God and in his word for you to fulfill as a part of the Great Commission. So that's a little bit to the two layers of his purpose for the church, for the individual within the Christian body, the church as well. And so it says called according to his purpose. So we looked at his purpose. Now, what does it mean to be called? Because we use that a lot. I've been called into this, like God drew me into this. He placed this desire upon my heart to go into a particular area of life, particular job or school or home. I felt called to that, which is very important as well. So what does it mean to be called? And to start to understand that, we're going to go back to the Romans 8.28, but we're going to go into verses 29 and verse 30. Here's what verse 29 says in Romans 8. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And what, what the, the calling is that I see here, we talk about individual calling, certain paths in life, but before that, he planned in advance and calls us to Jesus. So before you walk in any individual purpose or plan or destiny for your life, you have to be called to Jesus. You can't live it outside of him. You must be born again into that new life by receiving Jesus, accepting him as Savior and Lord. Then you can walk according to that. So know that the first calling upon anyone's life is a call to come to Jesus and accept him. He planned in advance this for us. This was the plan. Here's Jesus, that he might be the firstborn, that he might be the, the forerunner, the example that we are all shaped after. And so we're called to Jesus to be like him. And one verse we're going to add that, in terms of being called to Jesus, is back in the Gospel of John. Like I mentioned, there'll be several scriptures we're looking at throughout, so please reach out to me if you want the full list sent to you. And in John 6:44, it says this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day which is a very profound verse, Jesus teaching us that no one even comes to Jesus unless the Father is drawing him. Further emphasizing the point that the calling upon our life first and foremost is a call to Jesus. Before you ever seek God, he's seeking you, which you may have heard that before. Jesus is saying, God is calling you to me to be made new, to be shaped after the image and likeness of me. Then you can walk in your individual purpose and destiny that he wrote for you in advance. So a few things to digest. I want you to think back over these notes and over these lessons as we wrap up with a few verses here because you really have to figure that out. Okay, I've been called to Jesus to be made new, then called into my individual purpose only after Jesus has shaped me and made me and is working on me every day. And so we're called into this. So we're called first and foremost to Jesus before our individual purpose. And then you go to verse 30 back in Romans chapter 8. Remember to stay there. Romans 8, it says, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So the work in the life of Jesus, 
lived out in our lives, as we continue the great commission of taking the good news to the world, he says, it goes through this process where God had this plan in place before the creation of the earth, that Jesus would be sent to save us. Then we're called to Jesus to be made new in him. And he said, those who are called to him are justified, meaning we are just as if we'd never sinned. That's a great definition of justified, I've heard. Just as if you've never sinned, you're made new. And then when you're justified in walking with him, it said, these he also glorified. So when we're talking about an unstoppable Christian life, we see here, we know what it takes now to fulfill this promise. When we're walking with the Holy Spirit, he says, if you love God by obeying his commands, and you're walking under the great commission, spreading the gospel, and also finding out day by day your individual purpose and what your life means according to what God has called you to in your own relationship with him, because he's called you out as an individual as well. He tells us that the ultimate end is glory. And again, when all things work out for your good, no matter what's thrown at you, no matter what trials and tribulations you go through, and the Bible's very clear, we go through many trials as a Christian, even unique trials, because we have an enemy working against us because we are sold out for God and living according to his purposes, not according to the world. So there's also struggles and battles that we go through that the world doesn't, because we're in a unique position fighting a unique enemy. But all things working out for your good. To me, that's what glory looks like. That's a, just a sliver of it, but that's what glory looks like as well. Because just think about someone observing your life. And no matter what is thrown at you, good or bad, no matter what troubles and loss you go through as well, you always come out on top. And that's what the promise here. That's what the unstoppableness is in my mind. It's not that you never go through anything bad. Would you look so impressive in honoring the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit upon you if you never went through troubles whatsoever? People may question or criticize or discredit your life or your following of Jesus because, look, you never really went through any troubles. Like the story of Job, Satan said to God, Look, at, he's, he has everything he could ever need. You're protecting him on every side. Of course he'll honor you. Of course he'll praise you. Just start to strip those things away and Job will leave you quickly. And we know Job, Job stayed loyal to God and faithful to him. It's the same for us. God may allow things to come into our life to prune us, to develop us, to build us up, to test our faith. And even if we suffer loss in this physical world, he'll restore it to us absolutely in the spiritual, but many times he'll restore us physically as well even greater than we were before, again, exemplified in the story of Job. But that's what glory looks like, the results of our lives showing others who God is and that he takes care of us and that nothing that the enemy can throw at us could ever stop us in our tracks or keep us from being faithful or keep us from getting results. That's the unstoppable Christian life. It's about perseverance and faithfulness and trust in God and knowing that I love God by obeying his commands. I'm walking according to his purpose. I can't be stopped until God is done with me, until my story in this world is done, and all that awaits me is my heavenly reward. That's what we keep in mind. And the last verse I want to leave you with is Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus with the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the point of the unstoppable Christian life. It's not for you to look great. It's not for you to get all the credit and all the glory for yourself. It's to show the world who God is, because if God abandoned you and he left you for dead, so to speak, what would that show of his character and his nature? But the Bible says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So I want you to be encouraged to step into this unstoppable Christian life where no bad circumstance or trial thrown at you 
hurts you. You may call it a setback. People may define it a setback or a failure. But everything, no situation you encounter can end before it works out for your good. That's the purpose, and that's the encouragement here. And here's the purpose of it again, just in Matthew 5. It's for your light to shine through your good deeds, through your faithfulness, your perseverance. We are showing the world who God is. And look at the result. It says they'll give glory to God after seeing what he does in our lives and how we stay true to him just as he stays true to us. So I want you to take part in this unstoppable Christian life. Go back over these verses, digest the information, tap into it because you can't wait anymore. You're here to bring glory to Jesus in this life and to spread his message. And you need this unstoppableness to show people who God really is. So I appreciate you taking the time again to listen, for studying with me. Again, please reach out and I will gladly send you all the verses and notes I have. And I look forward to studying again with you very soon.